Welcome to Church Online. I am so excited that you have joined us this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. I pray that our worship will be exciting and uplifting. I pray that the ministry of the Word will work in your heart and that the Lord will do something special. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the service. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 2. You can give me, just maybe a little bit more. Just, you can give me a little bit more. <laughs> I may get loud. I don't know what happens. Teens, are you guys having service? All right, you're dismissed. Have a time. God bless you. Seventh, sixth grade. Sixth grade through 12th grade. Uh, you are dismissed. Have a time. Man, look at them. They're strange creatures, aren't they? <laughs> Almost not human. No. Amen. Look, I can honestly say that you'll probably hear something new today. Uh, it is, uh, it's an interesting, an interesting passage. Um, I think for my entire life, I've heard it preached a certain kind of way. Uh, and today we are going to uh, strip the mold and take a different direction. Um, maybe down just a little bit. Sorry, I'm being picky today. I think part of it is this, Kyle. Like, I've been, like, bending it because you know who had it on his head last week. And it's not the same. We'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. I've been, I've, all morning I've been battling it, trying to get it right. Like, what is going on here? And then it hit me. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness he's not in here to defend himself. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Oh, I thought he was going to pop in. <laughs> goodness. Anyway, once again, if you didn't catch it earlier, if this is your first time watching online or if this is your first time in person here uh, online, there's a link in the description. Fill that out. We want to send you a gift for uh, joining us for worship today in person. Uh, there's barcodes on the seat backs in front of you. Just scan that barcode and fill out that form and we want to send you a free gift. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, yeah, let's, let's jump in. Let's, let's get right to it. Because uh, we have a lot of ground to cover. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to start in verse number 2, and we're going to read through verse 16. So uh, 11, Cody got right into 11 with verse number 1, but that's really a part of the other thought from chapter 10. And this new thought, what he's dealing with this issue here, is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2 through verse 16. Uh, so I'm going to read it, and then we'll pray, and then we'll jump right in. Verse number 2, now I praise you, because you remember me in everything and hold fast to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to know that Christ is the head of every man and the man is the head of the woman and God is the head of Christ. Every man who prays or prophesies with something on his head dishonors his head. Every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head since that is one and the same as having her head shaved. It's an interesting uh, statement, but it definitely fits the bill. Verse number six, for if a woman doesn't cover her head, she should have her hair cut off. But if it is disgraceful for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, let her head be covered. Verse number seven, a man should not cover his head because he is the image and glory of God. So too women in the glory of man. For man did not come from woman, but woman came from man. Neither was man created for the sake of woman, but woman for the sake of man. 
This is why a woman should have a symbol of authority on her head. This is so strange. Because of the angels. Isn't that interesting? Where's, where's that coming from? Because of the angels. In the Lord, however, woman is not independent of man, and man is not independent of woman. For just as woman came from man, so man comes through woman, and all things come from God. Verse 13, judge for yourselves. Is it proper, here's the question, for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself, and that's Paul is bringing in uh, the, the argument of nature, the natural world into this. That's really the whole thing is built on that. Doesn't nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him? But that if a woman has long hair, it is her glory? For her hair is given to her as a covering. If anyone wants to argue about this, we have no other custom, nor do the churches of God. Uh, please, while I pray, uh, silence your cell phones. Let's limit distraction. This is going to be a weighty topic. And, uh, you know, there, there are children in here, so I have um, written this sermon in such a way that it will be appropriate. I think most things will be uh, with language that's above some of that as far as the age, age goes, but there is some sensitive things that we'll be talking about today uh, pertaining this passage of Scripture. So, uh, but please silence your phones. Let's limit distractions as we dive in and pray. Father, we love you and we thank you uh, for your goodness and your grace. Father, we, we need your Holy Spirit. We need your wisdom now more than ever. We ask that you would minister to us through your word. Father, what a weighty, incredible, monumental task to stand behind this pulpit and preach the good news of the gospel. And Father, as we unwrap this passage and dig in, I pray you would illuminate hearts and minds and make us closer followers of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. And all God's children said, amen. amen. I better silence my phone because I don't know why, but People in Bethlehem like to call me while I'm preaching every week. There's one or two. I'm like, don't you know that this is like the one hour? <laughs> anyway, it's quite funny. But let's, uh, let's dive in here. Some of these things might not be as they seem or at face value, but as we dive in, let's look. We have interesting bookends for this passage. So verse number two, we have, I praise you and approve you for holding fast to the traditions. I find that odd. I just, I find it interesting that considering all of the things that we've walked through thus far to this, uh, to this point in the book, the sexual immorality, the problems that this church was facing, Paul says in verse two, uh, I, I praise you and I approve for, for, approve you for holding fast to the traditions. I almost think he's being sarcastic. I get this sense of like, you guys have been great with all of the things that I left for you to do. Uh, and then look at verse 16, the bookend here is, if anyone wants to argue about this, we have no other custom, or basically, we don't have any other tradition than the one I'm telling you about. So I kind of get the sense that they weren't keeping the tradition, don't you? Uh, in, in verse 2, you guys are doing a great job at, at keeping the tradition. This is great. Uh, and we don't have any other traditions than the one I'm telling you that you need to do. Uh, so Paul, once again, is putting the jelly on the bottom shelf. I sense some sarcasm in his writing here, and he's really uh, kind of like uh, going at them a little bit, and he's going to dig into this issue. Uh, so here's, here's some things as we walk through this. I also, uh, I, I want you to see it as we build this picture. We see a created order that was designed by God. 
Let's, let's parse this out here. Look at verse number seven. It says, a man should not cover his head because he is the image and glory of who? Come on now. You got your Bibles. You got the program. No excuse. The, the, the verses are right there in your program. Man is uh, the image and glory of who? Of God. So we see here a created order that was designed by who? God. Okay, verse number, uh, well, so too, woman is the glory of who? Man. For man did not come from woman, but woman came from man. Neither was man created for the sake of woman, but woman for the sake of man. But hold, 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 hold it right there. This is why a woman should have a symbol of authority of her head because of the angels. We'll talk about that in a minute. Verse number 11, in the Lord, however, Paul was ahead of his time. On, on just about every point, Paul was ahead of his time. I've heard pastors and sermons before stop there. Now, you need to be uh, subject to your, your husbands, women, and uh, you know th- this authority, this headship piece that is this, uh, what's the term, maybe egalitarian or something? Uh, uh, that's, I don't think that's the right term, but the point is, is uh, you, you are subjugated too, right? And, and it's funny how we tend to take things out of context. It's funny how we cherry-pick certain, it's really not funny, but I'm doing what Paul did in verse number two, uh, but it, it's how, how pastors frame, it, it, you should be very cautious and very careful uh, how you frame what you think the, the biblical headship is and how God established this created order. But I, I've heard many a sermon where you seem to have this leaning toward the woman needs to do whatever she's told, uh, and and. I want to clarify, verse number 11, in the Lord, however, woman is not independent of man, and man is not independent of woman. For just as woman came from man, so man comes through who? Woman. And all things come from God. So Paul, even in a society, even if we look back and consider the history of oppression towards women, uh, we, we find here that Paul levels the playing field. Paul takes all that right out, of the, right out of the text. He takes the wind out of the sails of a male chauvinist pig, and he says, guess what? You wouldn't be here, knucklehead, if it wasn't for her. And every woman was like, that's right. <laughs> Ain't no man up in this room if it wasn't for me. Shoot. It's a created order. It's, it's the way it's designed. It's the way it's supposed to look. It's, it's a gospel-centered perspective, and it has nothing to do with worth. It's not you're greater because you're the head of or the leader of. It's not you're greater than or she's lesser than. All play a part. All are a part of an incredible plan, a created order that was designed by God. At first glance, okay, at first glance, we could reach the conclusion that women are to keep their heads covered and their hair long. Can anybody else see that in the text? The one that we just read? Can anyone else see that at first glance, it kind of seems like Paul wants women to keep their hair long and their head covered? Does anybody see that? Or am I by myself on that? Okay, it kind of seems like when you read it, that all of you ladies are uh, pretty much, I don't see any head coverings out there, all of you are disobedient to scripture right now. Every one of you, no. Uh, but it, at first glance, that's kind of what it sees. I think, are the lights a little dim today? They seem like they're a little dim. Let's give you a little bit of more juice there if you're using your, yeah, there you go. 
Miss Alma, I just made you happy, didn't I? It was too dark. It's like a nightclub in there, Pastor. Get it right. Anyway, I got you. I could sense it. I could sense it coming from that section. Uh, look, at first glance, it seems that the head should be covered and the hair should be long. I've heard many a sermon on women having long hair and men having short hair because of this passage. How many have heard sermons? <laughs> okay, so a few of you. We're not alone. Men, keep your hair cut short. Women, grow it long, barefoot in the kitchen. No, anyway, you get, you get the idea. That's, like the, the, that's how I grew up. The perspective of woman is to keep her role, and part of that is directly connected with her image. Uh, yeah, at first glance, I, that's kind of what it seems like Paul is saying. And I think that would be okay if Paul was talking about dress code, but guess what? He's not. Paul's not talking about dress code. Well, yeah, he is. He's talking about head covering. Just buckle your seatbelt, Sally. It's, it's about to get rough here. We're, gonna, we're about to fly through that storm that we had yesterday. I'm telling you, that was a rough one, wasn't it? Is everybody's fences intact? Everybody's decks intact? intact? Anyway, anybody lose any grills in the storm? I felt some shingles, yeah. I felt like we were going to see the cow start going around, you know what I mean, like in that Twister movie, and that's the same cow. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a little crazy. We saw a little funnel cloud trying to form, but it didn't. Okay, the, the moment of relief is over. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> Hippocrates of Coos, so th this name Hippocrates, uh, also known as Hippocrates II, was a Greek physician. In the age of empiricals, uh, classical Greece, uh, who is considered one of the most outstanding figures in the history of medicine. He is traditionally referred to as the father of medicine in recognition of his lasting contributions to the field, such as the use of prognosis and clinical observation, uh, the systematic categorization of diseases or the formulation of humoral theory. I'm, I'm probably pronouncing these things wrong. Uh, but give me grace, God bless you. Uh, the Hippocratic School of Medicine revolutionized ancient, Greece, uh, ancient Greek medicine, establishing it as the discipline distinct from other fields with which it was or had been traditionally associated, thus establishing medicine as a profession. So is anybody familiar with the Hippocratic, Hippocratic Oath uh, that I believe uh, upon finishing, I believe, med school? And when a doctor begins to practice, uh, they take that oath. That comes from this guy, the father of modern medicine. Attributing, uh, it was attributed to him of coming up with this thing of being a doctor. Uh, he established that in his research and in his practices. And so it, it, it's interesting that he is from this time period. Uh, it would have been... Uh, really close in proximity to what he believed. Remember, classic, classical Greek. So we have Greece, which is Corinth, where it was. Uh, ancient Greece was then turned to rubble. And when we first started studying the book of Corinthians, we went over some of this. So in context, if we put ourselves in this place, the Las Vegas of the ancient world was Corinth, a melting pot of cultures. You have Roman officials that are retiring there, you have Gentiles, you have a, a Jewish population. This church was a melting pot, but all about ancient Greece, Greek mythology. It was saturated 
uh, and continued to be saturated in this area. So my point is, is this guy, the father of modern medicine, was born out of this culture that was there at this time Paul was writing. And so I wonder what he believed about physiology. I wonder what he believed about the human body. I wonder what some of their uh, medical research looked like in those early days. I'll say this, the Apostle Paul was an educated man. The Apostle Paul learning at the, the feet of the leading philosophers of the day, probably fluent in four languages that we know of. The man was smart. If there, if, if there was a concept of, of biology and human physiology that, that was prevalent among the scholars or among the leading people that uh, were establishing this thing of being a physician, don't you think Paul would have had a, a grasp on it? Do you think Paul would have had a, a working knowledge of the human body because he was just so educated? Do you think that? I think so. Some of y'all are like, no, <laughs> couldn't be. Apostle Paul didn't, nope, mm -mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when we read the Bible and we take these verses out and we apply them to 2021, we make a mistake, not considering how Paul was thinking, how Paul was constructing his thought process. Well, he was doing it with the knowledge and with the information that he had of that day, with the books of, of those that were practicing medicine. So, what did the ancients believe about women and their hair? Before we just step up and I get in the pulpit and I take the easy way out and I'm like, all right, what I see in that text, all y'all women need to grow your hair out, put some head coverings on, men keep your hair shut, uh, sh short and uh, wear long pants and, right, you know, before I just take this like uber masculine approach to this message and what I think Paul is saying, maybe it would do us some good to research and figure out what they believed about women's hair and if there's a little bit more that beats the eye here. Okay, that's the route I took, just in case you're wondering. What did the ancients believe about women and their hair? What did the father of medicine, Hippocrates, believe about it? Here it is, you ready for it? There is strong evidence that Paul and those of Paul's day would have accepted that women's hair was a part of the reproductive system. In ancient Greece, men like Hippocrates, who were the leading practitioners of medical research at the time, have many writings, many. This isn't just like one thing or one article. Look, it's all through Greek literature. It's all, like, down to the fact that parabolion, the Greek word used for covering, is the same Greek word used to describe what I'm about to say right now. Who were leading practitioners of medical research have many writings that include this school of thought that women's hair was a part of their reproductive system. To understand this fully, listen to the podcast that is linked below. In the program, at the bottom of the program, is a podcast that is linked of where it is the base information for this message. And I will only say certain things in this context online. Uh, I, will, I will stay up here, if you will. Uh, but if you want the rest of the story and the rest of the research, Dr. Michael Heiser has, is a modern-day scholar, has done an incredible job on this passage. Listen to the podcast this week. Do yourself a favor. Um, but, uh, back to, I'm looking for my notes here. But to put this in perspective, here it is, ready? For the sermon. A woman's hair, according to their modern-day understanding, a woman's hair during this time period is the equivalent to, uh, to male reproductive parts that lower 
during puberty. You understand what I'm saying? The male reproductive parts that lower during puberty for a man, the equivalent to that for a woman was her hair. That is absolutely how they understood human physiology back in that day. There are many practices, many things that they would do uh, that, that followed that school of thought. Obviously, today, we know that that is not the case, right? Uh, I would hope that you know that that's not the case. If not, we can talk after, okay? Uh, but that's not the case. Listen, listen, let's walk through this. It would then follow, stay with me, follow the thinking. If the modern-day father of medicine, in his writings, in his practices, thought that a woman's hair was part of her reproductive system, a.k.a. the same as what men have, uh, in a different reverse order to produce a different effect, listen, it would then be a shame for a man to have long hair because in the mind of Paul, if a man grew his hair out, it would be him saying, I want to grow a baby inside of me according to how they understood human physiology. A woman's hair growing would cause things to travel upward. Men's going the other way, allowing things to go outward. Why would a man want to have long hair? Because literally he's saying, I want to grow a baby inside of me. That's the point of the passage. They thought hair was directly connected with a woman's ability to reproduce. So if it's directly connected with that sort of mystique, then you don't leave it out and show everybody. This is rooted literally in that philosophy and that understanding. There are religions today that still have women's hair covered. Still today, if you go to the Jewish part of town, there are wig shops. Why are there wig shops? Because they believe that their hair is specific for their who? Their husband. So they put fake hair over their hair so that you're not seeing their, their, their hair. Everybody's like. <laughs> it's important to understand the context of society in this day. Where am I going with this? Oh, just wait. Mm-hmm. Better get it, hurry. Don't spill those precious drops of coffee, Grace. Sorry. <laughs> Watch this. Furthermore, now, when I say this here, I mean it like, it, this just makes sense. It's just, it just makes absolute practical sense. Now, when you take that little because of the angels, you ready? Furthermore, to prove this point, we know that the book of Enoch was widely read and accepted by the apostles, as we saw in our study of First and Second Peter. Do you guys remember? We went through First and Second Peter. Go back and listen to those messages if you haven't. Peter believed and understood the book of Enoch. The book of Enoch describes the sin of the watchers as taking for themselves the daughters of men. Verse 10, this is why women should have a symbol of authority on their head, because of the angels. Paul is saying, I understand the book of Enoch says that the watchers, the angels that left heaven, would be a little bit more uh, palatable for Baptist background. Satan took one-third of the angels and went to the earth or did whatever he was going to do. But the book of Enoch describes these angels, these watchers, in a little bit more detail. And essentially their sin was taking for themselves the daughters of men. That's why Paul is saying, you should cover your hair, women, because of the angels. Tradition had it that angels uh, would view women as, as potential beings for them to take and procreate with. This, this was the understanding of their day. Therein lies more proof that their hair was seen as, as a part of their reproductive system. 
knowing what the tradition was in the book of Enoch. Paul is saying, you better keep your heads covered. Don't you remember what the angels did? That's what Paul's saying. I think that, uh, oh, I think I got my, my stuff mixed up here. How many of you, this is just too much to handle? Anybody? This is just, it's a lot. I understand. Paul is writing this letter under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost for the church during, you can't, you can't miss this part. Some, sometimes I feel like, let me just be transparent with you. In Bible study, you, you read, and, and honestly, this is something that was in the commentary. Um, you know, and they barely talked about it, and then they moved on and spiritualized it. But when you, when you have weight like this, where you're like, the cultures were so different, and we're trying to tie the two together, and we're trying to understand this in our context, many just take the Bible and we go, this is outdated, and this absolutely has nothing to do with our culture today, and they just throw it out. That's a huge mistake. It's a huge mistake to say, here's what the cynic would do. You see, Paul believed that women's hair was part of their reproductive system. He's an idiot. He doesn't even know basic human physiology like, and biology. It was 2,000 years ago. We, we have to see that the Lord chose, don't miss this, the Lord chose to reveal himself in a certain period of time for a certain reason. And so therefore, how he is applied to that specific time group and to those people, well then, if we understand that and unlock it, it will give us the truths that we need for today. Instead of saying, what this says is women should have cover, no, 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 no. What did it mean for them what are the truths? What are the eternal truths that are here in this passage that will help guide me to where I need to be in this created order? And I'm, I'm going to literally bring this home for you. I'm going to make sense of this. And it's very important to keep that mentality. Some of you right now are like, whatever. I know that, and Paul didn't know that, so therefore I'm smarter than Paul. Don't do that. Don't do that. Paul is writing this letter under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost for the church during that day. When we read the Bible, we must read it in its context and apply it accordingly. Here's what Paul is not saying. Paul is not saying that men shouldn't have long hair. Paul is saying that men should not do or want to do things that are against the way God designed them to be. That's what Paul is saying. Paul is not saying, if you're a man, you better keep your hair cut short. This isn't a dress code issue. Paul is looking at the men and with the understanding of how the body worked in that day. What if God had given them all or under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God had downloaded to Paul all of the biology for today. Would that have made sense to these people? No, the Bible, the Septuagint, written in Koine Greek, why? So the average man could what? Understand could see it in their context. It could be exposed in their heart and it could translate them from darkness to light. And so we have to see through that lens. The lens is, as Paul is saying, look, I'm not concerned about your hair. I'm concerned about you doing what God did not design you to do. That's, this, is, this is an issue of identity and design and it's, it's the prevalent issue constantly through this passage. Look, this is plain and simple. 
This is not up for debate. This is not murky. It's plain and simple what he's doing. We do not need to say, well, that just doesn't work that way anymore. How many of us in church tradition, we just go, well, we don't have head coverings. We just don't do that here. That's just not what we do, right? I I just, we are aiding to the lost never coming into the church. Because of the way we treat tradition, remember how he started this in verse two. Y'all are doing a great job at all the traditions I left for you to, to do. If we just say to ourselves, that's just not how it is anymore. That's ignorant. And what that is is a cop-out so that you don't have to study why they did it and why we're going to do it differently today. We don't need to say, well, that just doesn't work that way anymore. We should say, this is what we should say as a church, what was Paul articulating to those people during that time period and then apply it to today? We all know that science and our understanding of how the human body works has changed dramatically. We understand far more today than they did back then. Would you agree? Would you agree, and I'm kind of setting you up for something here, wouldn't you agree that, my goodness, a kindergarten textbook and what they're teaching our kindergartners, woo, is probably far beyond the content of chapter 11, God forbid. But the the point is this, is that we are so much further in our understanding and in our knowledge, and we're greater, much greater today. (laughs) With all the knowledge of how the human body works and all of today's modern medical research, we never struggle anymore defining male or female roles. We don't struggle with that. Not a chance in Hades would we struggle with that. I mean, if Paul, if there's an issue of identity in the Corinthian church because of melting pot of cultures and different backgrounds and him saying, listen, Linda, look it. Like, there should be a definition for a man and a woman, and God gave you that role for a reason so that you can walk in it. And when you walk in it, you feel it, and you understand why God made you with what he made you with, and you understand the the place that you have in life and the fulfillment that you get in being a man or the fulfillment that you get in being a woman. Paul is trying to teach them and explain that to them. We don't need that today. We've got more knowledge. We've got more technology. What has that done? Nothing. If Bruce Jenner was here today, or Caitlyn, sorry. If Caitlyn Jenner was here today, I would look at him and probably have feelings that he was some sort of lady. Like he's been like, that's a woman. All the money, all the technology, all the science to take a man and turn him into a woman. What does that tell me today? We don't need more knowledge and science and technology. We need more of God's roles and God's design and how how the created order was supposed to be. We need more of this book right here. Oh, this, this is a, an ancient discussion of head coverings that should be tabled because we don't use those anymore. Oh, wait a minute. No, 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 no. This is actually extremely relevant for today. 
No, we don't use head coverings because we don't think a woman's hair is a part of her reproductive system. We've moved past that, but what we have not moved past is the fact that the enemy is targeting us and targeting our gender roles and targeting our identity and targeting who we are in Jesus. That's what's happening. This is 110%, if I can say 200%, relevant for today. Why? Because we're still struggling with it. Why don't we have head coverings? Because we understand more of, of the, the heart of the matter. Why do we have plastic surgeons? Maybe more applicable for 2021. Why do we change things about ourselves? Why are we unhappy? Why are we unable to be okay with the image that God made? Why do we look in the mirror and beat ourselves up? because of something on social media that we just absolutely keep comparing ourselves to, that we wish we were, that we're not. This is all wrapped up together. Young people are not being led in the nurture and admonition of the Lord today. They're being led by their phones and by what culture is telling them. It's sickening. I watched today, I'm sorry, I watched this week uh, a, a clip, a news clip of a, I'm trying to get it straight here. It was a man, a trans man, being a woman, trying to feed his newborn baby. It's, it's there, it was on the news this week. I don't think that that couple understands the damage that they're doing to that baby. I don't, that baby is not given, he's not being given, he or she, I'm not sure what the, what the gender was of the baby, but he's not seeing what Paul is trying to teach here. That there's glory revealed in our assuming the roles that God gives us. Yes, I, I'm not saying that sin hasn't muddied the waters. I'm not saying that it's easy for everybody. I'm not saying that you haven't been abused or hurt, and I love each and every person that has been abused and that is hurt and that is confused. And The church needs to do better with people that are hurt and with people that are abused and with people that struggle, but we don't do better by approving it. We do better by accepting them and loving them with truth. The truth of God's word. Science changes. Technology changes. Oh my gosh, look at the people today of what science and technology can do. But what it doesn't do is get to the heart. What it doesn't do is transform who God made you to be. That is something that is innate, that is inward, and that is who you were designed to be from the beginning. Mm. So head's kind of heavy in here this morning. It's an issue. It's a challenge. But scripture answers it. Here's my observations as I close today. Two things I want to share with you. Verse number 11, it says, In the Lord, however, women, a woman is not independent of man, and, and man is not independent of woman. For just as woman came from man, so man comes through woman, and all things come from God. I want to address a couple things head on here as we close, what I see Paul addressing and Paul talking about, what I believe to be the point or the heart of the passage is headship. Headship. 
That Greek word that's lifted out for head, it's, it is a, a person who is in charge, understood as a head, which is the uppermost part of the human body. Gender roles are biologically ordered, watch this, with spiritual purpose and significance, which is why I can look at every man in this auditorium and online and say, do your job as a man. Lead your home. What I'm not saying in that is that you are greater or better than your wife. And every man that's honest knows that. That woman over there is far greater than I will ever be. <laughs> far greater. If we're honest, we're the inferior ones. Come on now. I'm just earning brownie points, fellas. You know what I'm saying? Maybe there'll be a fifth kid in my future. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Look, baby mama, this isn't a thing of greater than or less than. What we have to pound through our heads, some of us were in toxic, horrible leadership environments in churches growing up, in our homes, and, and we have to deprogram, deconstruct this idea that men are greater than women. That is a lie from the pit of hell. From men that are not good and that are using their power to keep people in a place so that they can control them. It's not okay. Those are very, actually, weak men. Not strong. And I, would, and I would say that to them and wouldn't think twice about it. This is an issue of headship. But, but what I also want to do is I want to give you a framework. Look, you can't let culture tell you how to operate and run your home. But that's what we're doing. We get on Facebook and we see this post and we're like, Oh, this, so much this, so much. And we shift and we change based on what, I, you know what I mean? I'm not picking on anything in particular. I'm just saying we, we do not know what we believe anymore. So therefore, we are just tossed with whatever the culture is telling us. And if you do that, your home will not be constructed and it won't operate, therefore, in the way that God designed it to be. So what I'm trying to help you with and teach you and get you to see is that the enemy is at work destroying our homes so that we're weak, so that we cannot fight with the gospel in the power of Jesus' name. Because we're only as strong as our homes. Our first church and our first ministry is to our homes, it's to our children. So Paul is addressing headship. Listen to this scripture. Giving thanks always, this is from the book of Ephesians giving thanks always for all things unto God. And the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one toward another in the fear of God. Many of you, if you're wondering, if you're, there's a lot of young couples in this church, how do we set up our home? This right here. So much this. This is everything. Yes. <laughs> submitting yourselves. Well, I crack myself up sometimes. Submitting yourselves one toward another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. That's a good one. Not somebody else's husband. That's a good one. As unto the Lord. Verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife. Watch this. Even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. <laughs> it, it's so, I gotta just, I gotta pause for a second. Commercial break. Every dude that says, I'm, I'm your boss essentially in this house. 
Why is he always selfish, making her do everything? When the Bible says if the husband is the head of the home, he will then serve her like Christ gave everything for the church. It doesn't work both ways. If you're the leader, then you have to sacrifice like the leader sacrifices. That's why it's not an issue of value. Both are infinitely valuable. Both are image bearers. Both have a place in God's design. Anyway, off the soapbox. Verse 24, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so that the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he may sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own body, as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Matthew 19, two become what? One. Biblical headship. This is a beautiful thing. Men, the Lord wants you to step up and lead your home with a sacrificial love. And, and wives, like not choking your husband out of that and letting him fill that role will allow you to support him will allow you to feel joy and fulfillment. The culture is telling you that you have to go do all of these things to feel a certain kind of way, and God is saying, you will feel a certain kind of way if you do what I designed you to do, if you be who I designed you to be. Oh yeah, just keep letting science and technology and the culture tell you how you should be. How has that fixed things in 2,000 years? It hasn't. It hasn't. Could it be, listen, here's my challenge. Could it be that we are changing and altering the physical bodies of men and women because the souls and spirits of said men and women are not receiving the fulfillment that God intended, them, intended for them to feel? Could it be that we're constantly chasing our tails when it is not our tail that we should be chasing? It is our hearts. It is the place that God designed for us to fellowship with him. Furthermore, a society that condones this behavior, what behavior? Changing and altering the physical bodies of men and women, is a society that will create more of a gap between who people are and who they were created to be. This gap will only increase the level of disparity in one's actions because the design for a human is to feel and be loved by their creator in the way that their creator initially designed them. Let's encourage people to not redefine what or who they are, but rather find who they are in Jesus. That should be what we're doing. You know, as the church, this is definitely a hot-button topic. You didn't know it was seated underneath the text of 1 Corinthians 11, but it is. We would do well to speak in love to people. Listen, hey, there's a place for you in the body of Christ. There's a place for you in Scripture and encourage them to find who they are here. When you peer into the perfect law of liberty, it's transformation. What does that mean? Stop enabling your children. Stop teaching and training people and coworkers that things are okay that are not okay. Be a voice of truth and a voice of reason in love into this society. 
Some of you have friends that you've been a, a poor testimony to because they think you're okay with something that's against Scripture. That's a problem. Does that mean I can't hang out? No, it means you need to love them more with the truth. With the truth. If you believe what, what the Bible teaches, then you believe that that's, that is the quickest, fastest way for someone to find joy and find fulfillment and find value and find worth. One last thought. One last thought. Th this is going to be very... <laughs> uh, yeah, this is going to be good. In a way that many of you need to take this last thought and, and you need to muse on it, you need to ponder on it. Husbands and wives need to have conversation around what I'm about to say. And this should, de this should determine some decisions that you make in your family. Look at verse number 13 in our text. It says, judge for who? Yourselves. Judge for yourselves. Is it, what's the next word? Is it proper? I'm so glad everybody's looking at their Bibles. Just kidding. Is it proper? I'm just trying to get you to do it so I can take a drink. <laughs> Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head what? Uncovered. Don't miss this. Here's the last thing that I think Paul's getting at. He says, judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? This is attire, right? This, this has to do with a woman's attire. Is it proper? Now we understand, right? You're, you're with me on why he would call that into question because of what they believed about a woman's body. Let me give you a few other scriptures to help paint this picture. Maybe in, my, in the past, I would have preached a sermon like, this is why it's super important for all of you women to dress modestly, for all of you women to do X, Y, and Z. Is that the spirit that Paul approaches this, yes or no? So therefore, that's wrong, first of all. But I want to lift out of this text the heart behind what he's saying, and I want to help you a little bit, okay? This is something that Sarah and I talk often about. We've, we've changed a lot on a lot of things, uh, and, and we don't want to be just willy-nilly with, with changes. We want to change things because it's according to what? Let me help you. It's Scripture. We want to change things because it's according to what? Good one. We don't just like, why? Because if we make a change, guess what that's going to mean for our children? It's going to affect who? Them. All right, you ready? Let me give you some help here with this idea of like modesty, what Paul brings into question for these women here. Verse 26 of Exodus chapter 20, verse 26, I'm coming at you men, here it is. Neither shalt thou go up by the steps unto mine altar, that thy nakedness be not uncovered thereon. So I'm just going to paint a few pictures. See what I did there? <laughs> Those are uncomfortable pictures. Uh, <laughs> Jeez, sorry. Got to get that one out. <laughs> the priest, the Lord says, when you're, when you're doing your priestly duties, you better put your underwear on, your breeches, because I don't want your stuff being exposed in the temple. That's what that verse is all about. Just giving you the Reader's Digest version, Okay. So we have one instance, the Lord says, hey, priest, when you're doing something sacred, when you are doing something sacred, don't miss that, you need to be dressed, what? Appropriately for that task. This is 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance, his height and stature, because I have refused him, 
For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the what? Outward appearance, but the Lord looketh upon the what? The heart. So we have one instance the Lord says, put your underwear on, dude, when you're working in the temple. That's messed up. That's messed up, okay? Eli's like, dude, it's all good. It's just me in here. Go put your underwear on. Put your fruit of the loom on. And they had pomegranates around their robes, so you know they had fruit of the loom. Uh, Priest, put your underwear on when you're in the temple. Then we have another passage in Samuel where God says, I don't look at the outward. I look at the what? The inward. So we have another contrast of when it came time to select the king, I didn't really care what he what? Looked like. Here's another one. Genesis 3. You know where I'm going with this. And he said, who told you that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded that thou shouldest not eat? Adam and Eve were what? Naked. Why do we only pull the verses of the Bible for our sermons on modesty from this place of like, look, they're all covered. What about Adam and Eve? <laughs> and I know there's an obvious answer, but hold your, hold your breath. The point is, is that the same God yesterday, today, and forever, Jesus is the what? The same all may change, but Jesus never glory to his name. The point is, is that he communed with a man and a woman in the garden, and they were what? Naked. They were naked. Priest, put some underwear on. I don't really care what they look like on the outside. I'm hanging out with Adam and Eve, and they're naked. Okay. The issue was about their devotion to their role being reflected in their outward appearance. This is a little bit of matology here. What's the common thread? What do I see here? I see that the Lord's desire in each situation where dress is addressed was that in that culture, in that moment, that they were reflecting in the outward appearance what was going on on the inside. You say, that's not very helpful. That's not very black and white. Well, I'm, without being legalistic, I'm, this is it. We're, we're shutting it down, so stay with me, but you need to hear this. Without being legalistic and drawing a hard line, judge for yourself. That's the spirit, right, of the end of this passage. That's the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. If God would have told Israel, like, hey, Israel, judge for yourself whatever you want to do without the presence of the cross and the Holy Spirit, right? Without the presence of the church, what would they have done? Horrible things, we know that. It is because of sin that we struggle with this. That's the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. The reason why we have to even call this into question and consider outward morality is because there is an inward damage that sin has done, but we must consider it. It's not enough for us to be willy-nilly and say, look, it doesn't really matter anymore. Yes, it does. We don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We don't say just because we're not wearing head coverings, we don't consider our dress at all. That would be a mistake. That would be the pendulum swinging what? Too far. Because we do know that there are certain parts of bodies that do have a reproductive nature that are more attractive to men, or that are more attractive to women, right? Do we know that? Is that a thing anymore in 2021? Do we admit that? 
that men are attracted to certain things about a woman, or is that something that we can't say anymore? I don't know. I'm so confused. No man should ever say he's attracted to anything. Every man should just stand there and do what he's told to do. That's what being a man is in 2021. I don't even know. What am I allowed to say? I don't, they, I don't know. I'm just, it's confusing, okay. Did I just get that off my chest? Yes, I did. Did you amen that? That's funny. Look, I'm just trying, look, I am trying. I'm just trying to be the best version of me. <laughs> We've got to do better. Look, look, for real, come on back. Baby, come back to me. We got to do better here. Without being legalistic and drawing a hard line, judge for yourselves if it would ever, if you would ever be accused of being who you want to be in Christ. How do we do this thing? I got an idea. I got a bright idea to sum this whole thing up and put a bow on it. How do I dress? How do I live? How do I operate? What do I tell my children to do? What do I tell them not to do? What can they wear? What can they not? Should we wear head coverings? No. Um, hair doesn't do that. But according to our society, according to our context, would someone accuse you of being who you think you are in Jesus? That's, this is the best way I know how to articulate modesty and what you should do in your role as a man and as a woman, and I think both are important. Men, women, would someone ever accuse you of being a Jesus follower? Watch this. If not, make a change. Make a change. Well, I just really like this, and I like that. Let me ask you the question again. Would anyone outside of your relationships ever accuse you of being a Jesus follower? Could they find Jesus with your outward map? That's my question. It's not all about your clothes, some of its appearance, some of its your joy. I'm not here to be legalistic or throw a hard line. Even Paul said, eh, we ain't got any other custom. A custom. I'm just throwing it out there. Hey, look, I'm just throwing this out there. It would be very distracting if someone came to church naked this morning. It would be very distracting. Can we admit that in 2021? No, it's not on them, it's on you. Okay, all right. It would be distracting, that's all I'm saying. It would be hard to have worship if someone was in here naked. So, so therefore, watch, watch, help me with this. Therefore, there's a spectrum, and there's everywhere in between. I don't really care. I really don't. We have more important things to discuss we have more important things to do, and I think Paul would say the same thing. Hey, hey, figure it out. Don't be a distraction. Just dress in a, in a sort of way. And look, the cultural norm in Miami might be different than the cultural norm here in Baltimore. It might not be as, it might not be as distracting there as it would be here, yes or no? Yeah. What I'm not saying is culture will depict everything, but I think it plays a role. Why? Because they use the knowledge of the day to determine what was right and wrong. So therefore, furthermore, so on and so forth, you gotta ask yourself, would anyone ever accuse me of being on the outside what I wanna be on the inside with Jesus? 
every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you for watching and joining us for our church online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.